the big hour. Is that not right, Mr. Scream? <laughs> Great, good stuff. I think people are getting really cranked. Welcome back into Colorado's biggest and best live hockey radio show. This is the hockey show right here on Mile High Sports. We're going to head to the power play, the man advantage. We've got John Mitchell on the line to help us break down some Avs playoffs hockey that we have right around the corner starting Monday night. So, Johnny, thanks for joining joining us, and how you doing? Sure, no problem. I'm doing great. How are you guys? Good, good. I mean, obviously, we've missed your analysis on Altitude Radio all year long, so let's get some analysis from you here today. I mean, first and foremost, my first question for you is, Avs played St. Louis eight freaking times this season. Now they have to come and face them in a seven-game series. What what kind of adjustments do you think are made in that scenario? How, since they're so familiar with each other, I mean, what kind of caveat does that throw into the first round here? Well, like you said, they're so familiar with each other that I don't think, you know, you don't have to watch too much video or anything like that. When you've played a team all year long, eight times like that, I, if you don't know what they play like already, then you've got problems. So I think it just comes down to, you know, which team's going to want it more, which team's hungrier. Mitchie, do you think that that hunger is maybe something that St. Louis has an advantage on entering the start of this round since, I mean, they had to earn this playoff spot. They had to pass Arizona. They had to fight tooth and nail for it. And Colorado, I mean, has been the favorite all season and they, they kind of had this like Tampa Bay coast, you know, from a couple of years ago. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, don't sleep on the St. Louis blues. Cause if you do, you're going to be in trouble and they're going to catch you. Uh, kind of with your pants down so make sure that you're you're ready to go and yeah you you have to bring it right away because like you said I mean just look at the Tampa Bay Lightning from a few years ago you know they won the President's Trophy they coasted in and then they get swept in the first round nobody obviously nobody saw that coming but when you're not playing meaningful you know meaningful meaningful games for for an extended period of time that can happen but at the same time I mean the Avs were playing meaningful games because they wanted to get that president's trophy and, and get playoffs you know with with home ice advantage throughout the whole playoffs so i don't want to say that we're playing they weren't playing meaningful games but you know they weren't playing super important games because they had been in the playoffs for you know what seemed like months already two-parter here ryan and i just had a quick conversation on the asterisk i'm personally putting on the president's trophy this year the abs having only played 25 percent of the league what's your stance on that and then secondly Home ice, I think the biggest argument in hockey is the last line change, right? How important is that for Jared Bednar here? Yeah, well, I mean, to to start with the asterisks, I mean, uh, I suppose this entire season will have an asterisk on it, if anything. Um, you know, maybe maybe Connor McDavid getting 100 points. You, you probably don't need to throw an asterisk on that because that's, uh, that's really impressive Incredible. to be able to do that. And then, uh, secondly, you know, having that, having that last change is, it's imperative, really, you know, to, to have the guys you want out on the ice and have the ability to get that last change throughout all the playoffs. It's not the, the end all be all of everything, but if you can have that advantage more than any team in, in the league, you, you know, even if you go away to the cup final and, you know, you, you have, home ice advantage you have that one extra game it, it could be it could be pivotal for them Mitchie I just want to talk about the state of the squad here with you you know we've got Mac- McKinnon didn't finish the regular season healthy 
So there's some concern about, you know, what level of percentage level he is at health-wise. Um, but the team gets Devin Dumnik back from COVID protocols, so he's probably going to take a little time to get back up to speed. But where do you see, you know, the way that this team is playing, the injuries, the non-injuries? Like, how, how do you see this team holistically? What, what do you think about them? I mean, look at their, look at their depth, period. They've been able to slot guys in and out of that lineup and, and not really miss a beat. And, I mean, just take JT Comfer. You know, he was kind of playing third-line, fourth-line role. McKinnon goes out. He steps in on that line, scores a hat trick. They have numerous players that, you know, play on, you know, the bottom two lines that could easily come up and, and play in the first two lines, without a doubt. So being able to have that much depth on your team going into the playoffs is is a massive advantage. Another guy, too, I think uh, fans have kind of been raining the booze on is Tyson Jost. And, you know, a lot of times a player is, is his performance is in line with his role, right? The role he's given, the amount of ice time he's given. So Tyson Jost has moved up to playing on the, the top line in McKinnon's absence some and I think has performed pretty admirably as well. Do you think that kind of vindicates him and, and what he's capable of? Yeah, w- without a doubt. You know, he, again, he was playing in a in a lesser role at the beginning of the season, and then he's been given an opportunity with some injuries to to you know the star players on the team to move up in the lineup. And and Josty, he's I mean, he's a tenth overall pick. He's no slouch. He he knows how to score goals. He knows how to put up numbers. But at the same time, he's he's a responsible player in his own end. He knows how to penalty kill. He knows how to block shots. He he's a He's a he's a utility tool that can move up and down the lineup. So that's that's once again that's a massive advantage. Not sure if you had the chance to see Ryan O'Reilly's comments from the other night, but pretty much guaranteed that the St. Louis Blues are going to beat the Avalanche. What if if you're in that Avalanche locker room right now and you see or read or hear Ryan O'Reilly say something like that? What what does that do for you, if anything? Oh well, because it's. The fact that he's saying it, you can you might want to be a, a slight bit concerned because he is uh, he is one hell of a hockey player. But at the same time, you know that that might light a fire. Hopefully, that lights a fire under your team that this guy's coming out saying he's guaranteeing he's they're going to beat us. Well, you better uh, put test your metal and see see if you can actually do that because those are those are some big words that are coming out of your mouth. So. I think I think it's got to light a fire under under guys. I mean, obviously he's still friends with probably quite a few of the guys on the team, but it's playoff time, so it's it's dog eat dog out there. Yeah, I mean, we saw St. Louis; they won a cup two years ago. Last year, really, you know, flamed out of the playoffs. So it feels to me like this year might really be an invigorated playoff season for them. Of course, their regular season wasn't too great, but it really feels like they took the mindset of let's just get in the playoffs. I mean, is that you know, I think that's underrated in, in in the NHL, right? You have to have a good season, but if you just get in the playoffs, that's all you really need, especially if you're a team like St. Louis. Do you, do you buy into uh, that kind of mindset of, let's just get in, then we'll know what to do from there? Without a doubt. I mean, uh, the the NHL is not like any other league. There, there's so much parity through through most of all the teams, especially the teams that make the playoffs. You know, with, with the Avalanche being the best team, and you know, obviously they're playing, you know, the the worst team in their division that made the playoffs. But if you look at the St. Louis St. Louis Blues, and you look at their numbers, you look at their personnel. You know, I don't think it's indicative to what their their record is and how many points they have. They're they're a really good hockey team. 
And like you said, some teams, you know, even if it's two years removed from the Stanley Cup playoffs, you know, that's that. those are a lot of games. There's a lot of things going on. But once you get into playoffs, it's a whole different ball game. So I think St. Louis is they're 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 going to give the Avs a handful without a doubt. Mitchie, what do you think about the rest of the playoff field? You know, we we talked a little bit earlier about how a, an unnamed NHL player said he didn't think any team in, in the Canadian division was any good because they don't play defense. You know, we've got strong teams on the East Coast in Carolina, Boston, Florida, and Tampa. Washington, how do you see things shaking out outside of the Honda West? Right. Yeah, it, it's it's so hard to tell, right? Because these teams have just played within their division the entire year. So, I mean, the first two rounds you're going to be playing within your division regardless. I, I mean, I, I see the Avs certainly coming out of this series with St. Louis. But I, I think if the Avs are going to go and win the Cup, they're, they're hardest the, the, the battle that they're going to have the most is going to be within their division and probably the Vegas Golden Knights. And, and I'm, I don't want to write off Minnesota, but it, inevitably I, I just, that's who I see them playing in the second round. And they, I could be right. I could be wrong, but I think that would, that's going to be their toughest challenge. If both of those teams move on to the second round, that, that, that is going to be, that'll be the series to, to watch because those two teams were obviously they were right at the top one, two in the overall standings of the league at the end of the year. So that's going to be, that's going to be one hell of a series, but I, I mean, obviously they have to get through the blues first and I don't want to, I don't want to say that the blues are, they're just going to walk over them. Cause I, I certainly don't think that's going to be the case either. The Blues are known for playing a pretty physical, heavy game, and that's something Ryan O'Reilly alluded to. If we can play that way, we can we can beat the Avs when he made that, that comment. Do you think that this current iteration of the Avalanche compared to the last two years is maybe better suited for that kind of physical game? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think so. They've got some pretty good, you know, fair-sized defenseman. I mean, Makar is obviously an absolute stud offensively, but, I mean, that kid plays defense great. He 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 catches guys and buries guys all the time. He's a big kid. Taves is a big body. Nemeth is a big body. Sam Gerrard, the poor knot, I mean, he, I don't even think the guy can get hit. So, I mean, their back end solidified with that. And then, and then up front, they've got good size and big players that have offensive ability. But they can play a play a hard grinding game as well. So I, I think the Avs are are very suited for for the Blues or any team really in the league. Let's uh, switch off the Avalanche and look a little bit into your career. You had a handful of playoff games with the uh, Rangers. I just want to know, and sorry to put you on the spot here, but are, are there any examples of that mental switch from the regular season to the playoffs that you maybe saw in yourself, in teammates, and coaches, and anyone around you during that stretch in in New York? Well, you you just realize that once you go into the playoffs, the importance of every single game. Not that not in the, that in the regular season you're you're looking ahead to this game or that game or whatever, but it's sometimes you do. But when you're in the playoffs, it's I mean it's cliche, but it's one game at a time. But it is so just you are playing one game at a time. You're so dialed in and focused for that single game that you're playing. You know the Abs Monday night. This is game one. Could care less about game two. Have no idea what the outcome is going to be, whatever. But game one is strictly the only thing that you focus on. And and just the, the build-up, the anticipation, especially going into game one of, of any new series, 
the, the excitement, the nervousness, the anxieties, the things that you have, they're all there and they're all pumped up even more than, you know, any regular season game, just because of the sheer importance of every single game, one game at a time, one game at a time, one game at a time. So it's uh, the, the energy. I, I mean, obviously there's not going to be as many fans as, as normal years, but even, even the, the, the stadiums that you play in, the arenas you play in, the, they just, they're that much more electric. Even the fans know, you know, what's going on in these games and how important each game is, each shift, each period, everything is, is in a microscope, you know, especially after game one, it's like, Hey, we're watching video. This is what they do. You know, boom, boom, boom. You're watching what feels like twice as much video as what you would normally be watching in the regular season. So everything is just, it's just picked up another notch as it goes along. Last one for me, Mitchie. I'm going to totally switch gears to beer here for a minute. We saw you at the, the <laughs> Double Check Pilsner release party. And prior to that, uh, your beer with Kyle Quincy had been out. And we had Jan Hayda on the show. And we asked him which beer was better. And, of course, he said his own. He called your beer a session IPA too spicy. Uh, so I'm just curious, now that you've had a chance to taste his beer, what your thoughts are. Well, it, it, it's exactly what he said. Ours actually has some flavor, some some <laughs> kick to it, a, a little bit of something, and then the Czech Pilsner. I mean, I don't know. That's like drinking a Coors Light or something like that. <laughs> there's not uh, there's not a ton of flavor in that, but it's still good. But I mean, I must say that the uh, session post game IPA session IPA that we created is uh, it, it's it's top notch. It's right up there. His pitch was that the Pilsner was a good before, during, and after beer league game uh, beverage. What, what's your pitch for the session? It's, it's a total post-game IPA. You can have as many as you'd like after a nice hockey game, whether you played a game, whether you watched a game. It's actually great if you're watching a, watching a hockey game to sip on a few of those as well. So you can, you can certainly uh, divulge in those, uh, in those beers at any time. Well, Mitchie, we really appreciate it. It was good seeing you last week. I think I had about eight of those Czech Pilsners, so you're right. You could really put them down, but I, I liked them, and I'm excited to uh, get some sessions in my body too. So thanks again for uh, hanging out with us, and uh, you know, enjoy the playoffs. Yeah, thanks, guys. Right. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Talk soon. There you have it. Yeah. John Mitchell, what a delight. He brings it. Great analysis. I mean, I can't wait. Hopefully he's back in the booth next season once – you know, all the COVID stuff is passed and they're comfortable having two guys in a radio booth. Because those radio booths are small. I get it. I don't know if it's Connor being like, no, I want this all to myself. Or if it's, you know, Cronky saying, let's just keep one in there. But I can't wait to have Mitchie back, A, on the radio, analyzing stuff, and B, in the press box. He's just a good personality, good presence in there. Yes. <laughs> right I agree. On. Wholeheartedly. So Wholeheartedly. Th- thanks for joining us. Thanks so much to John Mitchell. We'll be right back with Darren Pang to break down the St. Louis side of things. Mile High Sports, the hockey show. JJ, Ryan, Danny Bailey. When we play our heavy game and commit to it and, and you know, put pucks in and don't feed their rush, we, we make it tough on them and, and find ways to beat them. And that's, that's what we got to do. That's going to be our focus. We know that they have a lot of talent over there and they work hard. But uh, 
for us, it's a, it's an exciting challenge. You know, we're we're gonna have some fun and we're gonna beat them. Well, welcome. Welcome back into the hockey show, Colorado's biggest and best live hockey show. That's our old friend Ryan O'Reilly putting out some pretty strong comments. Let's go back to the phones of the band advantage. We've got a very special guest, Darren Pang of Valley Sports Midwest joining us. Darren, thanks so much for joining. And let's just start with your thoughts on those Ryan O'Reilly comments. Hey, nice to, nice to be uh, on the program as well. And uh, thanks for reaching out. Uh, social media is something special, isn't it? You can gotta reach out and touch base. And, and yeah, and I think it's an important time of year for you know, for us to, to talk hockey. It's been a tough year with uh, with COVID and 56 games and what these players have done. So uh, I, I'm excited about this this series. Um, Ryan O'Reilly doesn't surprise me that he said what he said. I, I think that um, the, the St. Louis Blues are confident because they've got, what have they got, 17 players that have won the Stanley Cup because um, they added Kyle Clifford. Tory Krug w- went to the final against St. Louis and lost, but there's still a lot of experience there. So even though the record doesn't show it, I think inside their locker room, um, they've got a lot of moxie. So, I mean, he doesn't usually step out and say things like that. Um, but I, 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 think, I think that's a good thing to say when you're the captain of an underdog team. I mean, what do you have to lose? You, you show everybody that you're confident that you can go in there and you can beat an incredible team like Colorado. Hanger, is that like a, a kind of a veteran move, like a, a guy or a team that's been there that know what it takes to win the Stanley Cup, kind of calling the shot early, getting some mind games out there, but also knowing that the Avalanche don't have that cup final, that cup champion experience? Hmm. Maybe. It's a, it's a good point. I mean, you know, I've said it many times during this year because we play the same teams over and over and over again, but especially Vegas and, and Colorado in that, you know, the Blues do have one thing that they don't have, um, and that is the Stanley Cup. So, I mean, they did it. They won it. And so they, they do um, probably have that layer of confidence or bravado. Um, it's not cockiness. I know that. I've been around this team way too long to know that it's not cockiness, but it is confident in one another. So, it, it, uh, you know, I think to me, he's almost speaking like his coach speaks. Um, you know, Craig Berube, when he took over from Mike Yo in end of 2018, they still struggled, but 2019, when they started getting it together and you were playing Gloria there, that brought back a lot of memories, actually. But when, when, when he started coming back and we'd ask him, us, our own broadcasters, we'd say to, to, to Chief, we'd say something about the other team. Boy, Colorado's a good team. Uh, so-and-so is a good team. Tampa Bay's a good team. He would stop us dead in our tracks, and he'd say, boys, we're a good team. Boys, we're a good team. <laughs> he'd always kind of say it that way with, with – uh, you know, with confidence. And I think he started selling the team on, you know, on that. Like, let's quit talking about other teams. We're a good team here. So maybe what Ryan O'Reilly was doing was kind of mirroring the way that Chief speaks as well, talking about your own team first and not really, not, not, not worrying about the other team because they're, you know, they're going to play Colorado. Colorado's a great, great team. But sending the message inside the room that, you know what, before we talk about Colorado or any other team, let's talk about ourselves first and foremost. And uh, I think that's what he was saying. The standings in the Honda West and even the first-round matchups weren't even established until the final game there of the season for the Avalanche. And up until that point, you know, the discussion in Colorado obviously was, who do you prefer to see, St. Louis or Minnesota? I really think the consensus was we want to see Minnesota because we saw some pretty big blowouts from the Avalanche, uh, you know, to giving to Minnesota. So I guess what was the mindset from St. Louis? Who did you guys want to see, Vegas or Colorado? They both scare me. Um, you know, I've done enough games to know what the strengths 
of Vegas are and what the strengths of uh, of Colorado is. I, I honestly thought that the Blues matched up better against Vegas uh, than Colorado. Um, that was just me personally. I don't, you know, I asked many of the players. There was no, there was no real answer. They, they, they knew going into this year that it was either going to be in their minds, it was going to be St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, Vegas, Colorado, St. Louis, however you wanted to put it, those three teams were going to be one, two, three. Now, Minnesota had a great year. So looking at it now, looking at advancing, here's what I think. I think, I think Minnesota is going to give Vegas a mitfall of trouble. They played them great all year long. I think they were six, what, five, one and three, six, one and two, something like that. Um, my math's probably off a little bit, but I know that Minnesota played real well against Vegas. Um, and so that means the team that, you know, possibly there's an upset there and the team that wins the Colorado St. Louis series might get Minnesota in the next round. So, uh, but, but in terms of, of me as a, I always think of myself, former goaltender, who scares me the most? Well, the rush team of Colorado scares me the most. I think they, it's proven because analytics and all the stats show it that they are the number one rush team in the National Hockey League. And to defend a team that's so fast off the rush and is so organized when they enter the offensive zone, like Colorado, that's difficult. And that's what scares the daylights out of me if I'm a goaltender. See, it's funny because for me, I feel like the, the Blues do match up well against Colorado, but part of it hanger is I think that the blues have that hunger, you know, the, the, the fight to overcome Arizona and make it into the playoffs and, you know, be on a roll and be playing strong. Plus we've seen some strong games from them against the avalanche. I feel like, you know, that, that big, bold, heavy, slow, the pace of the game down a little bit kind of play style from St. Louis really is the, the anti avalanche. Well, it, and, and it, it may very well be, um, but, you know, I, I, a number one line that's as good as what you have in Colorado is still a lot to ask for. It won't just be Ryan O'Reilly going up against Nathan McKinnon. He can't, they can't do that. They've always done it so that they have two center icemen going up against them. So that's what tells me or leads me to believe that Braden Shen will move from the wing and go back to a second-line center ice position uh, on the road so that they've got two lines to match up with McKinnon. Um, but, you know, it's not just Nathan McKinnon that scares me. I've just watched... Uh, 45 clips of Nathan McKinnon versus the St. Louis Blues. And in every single one of them, we're all mesmerized and fixated on the stick handling and the quickness of Nate McKinnon. Uh, but what I was looking at was, was uh, Rantanen, was Landeskog, was how good they are at going to the front of the net at the same time that McKinnon's about to shoot the puck. How good they are at getting on the inside of, our, of the Blues defensemen and, and establishing their presence, and that's what gives our goaltender fits. That's what gives uh, Jordan Biddington fits. When there's movement in front, uh, when Rantanen gets to the front of the net, when Landeskog gets to the front of the net, you can't find the puck, whoever's shooting it. If it's McCarr, if it's Gerard, if it's Nate McKinnon, you can't find it because of the big body. So that's really, really impressive. So um, anyway, that's, that's, one, uh, that's, that's just yet another area of uh, how difficult it, it's going to be to defend, the, especially that big line. We're talking to Darren Peng right here on the Hockey Show, JJ and Ryan. Penger, much like yourself, I too am a lifelong goalie. Obviously didn't make it as far as you, but I'm also under six feet. Just thought, you know, we share that in common. Nice. Let's look at... Uh, go. Let's look Are at... Are you under 5'6"? Uh, oh, no, I, I'm up to 5'11", just barely under six feet. <laughs> um, You're tall. But let's look at... Uh, <laughs> Never been called tall before. Thank you. Let's look at the matchup in, in net for these two teams. I mean, Bennington kind of had a roller coaster of a season. 
Philip Grubauer, pretty consistent, top of the league in shutouts and save percentage. Do you give the advantage to Colorado here in net? Um, I mean, based on stats, yeah. Uh, based on, you know, how consistent he's been, um, how the team plays in front of him, um, I, would, I would give him the advantage. I obviously, you know, and he's, you know, he has been all the way to a final as well. I know he wasn't the main guy, hopefully he was, but he sat in that locker room, he practiced with them, he felt it. Um, so that's, that's got to account for something. Um, health-wise, can he stay healthy for the entire duration of the playoffs? You know, I'm, I'm sure the, the Blues will try to get him moving as much as they can east to west. He's a big body. When he gets set on a shot, he's very good. Picks up a lot of net. Um, but Bennington has some certain swagger that you can't teach, and you guys know it. It drives some people crazy. It bugs some people. Uh, but when you get to know the kid and you get to know what he's all about, he's a highly motivated, self-motivated um, individual that always wants to prove everybody wrong, that will forever have a chip on his shoulder for spending five years in the minors with the same organization and never being considered a serious candidate to be the next one. And uh, so whenever things get down or people get down on him or he struggles, he always bounces back with something very superlative. So, um, But as far as the overall play this year and the consistency, I think you would have to give it to Philip Grubauer and the Colorado Avalanche in that area. Speaking of bouncing back, how do you see Tarasenko's fit here? You know, I know he's coming off of multiple surgeries, and it's it's he seems like he's a little bit behind the pace of the of the game. Do you do you see him kind of being able to turn it on in the playoffs, or do you think he won't quite be a hundred percent his normal self? Well, you know, he, I mean, obviously he didn't play down the stretch here, and there was a couple of times, especially the one of the last two games against Minnesota, that I thought he was going to play. I watched him skate several times with the taxi squad. Um, but so th- there's, there's always the uncertainty, you know, where he's going to be even in two days from now. But as far as his play, I thought he played of the games that he played in. I thought he played for me. I thought he played four really good games where he, he went to the front of the net. He got in on the four check and it's hard to, you know, it's hard to sell a guy that's a 40 goal scorer that that's important, but they did so in 2019 when they won um, the blue system doesn't allow them to have a passenger on any line. Um, and so that's the hardest part about coming back from the shoulder surgeries. Now he's had a lower body injury and uh, getting that confidence to get in there and be active with the blues because you, you, you can't be a perimeter player. It just doesn't work with the system that they have. So I'm not even sure if in the first round that, you know, that he's going to be a factor. I, 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 don't, I don't even know. Um, but if he's not, the blues players that have played, have really picked up the slack, including Mike Hoffman, who's played really well. And they're expecting Jordan Cairo and, you know, Robert Thomas, Zach Sanford, Sammy Blay. Um, you know, you got two guys that are on the heavy side that play a down low heavy game, Blay and Sanford, and two guys that play a very quick game. You guys have seen Robert Thomas, how good he is, and Jordan Cairo has the capabilities of breaking a game open as well. I'm going to take a hard right turn here and deviate from the playoffs a little bit and talk about something that happened recently that you were involved in, and that's the David Backus final game in St. Louis. I mean, obviously emotional from him, obviously a lot of good energy in that building from the St. Louis fans, but for you, was that one of maybe the, I guess, more emotional interviews you've ever been a part of? Yeah, I, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a really inc- like emotional guy anyway. Um, I don't know what it is. I, I've always been that way. Um, you know, it hits me right in the heart from Bobby Plager's, uh, you know, retirement uh, ceremony to Bobby passing to 
you know, little things. But I, there was something about David Backus that, uh, and, and we're not we're not particularly tight tight, but he was here a long time. I, I I've been in St. Louis for twelve years. I mean, you get to know a guy real well on and off the ice and what he does and. And and I, I really felt like I you know I, I was looking at him I was looking at his eyes I was I talked to him the day before I felt it I, and then I thought back to myself and I only played you know six years pro but I remember the day that I had to say that I was retiring and I couldn't spit out the word I couldn't say the word retire it's a very difficult thing to do it and emotional I saw you know Ryan Miller go through it and hugging his parents and crying in front of them and. I don't know what it is. We're big, you know, not we, the you know, big tough guy like David Backus and all that. But um, that interview, I knew it was going to be difficult because I knew it was going to be difficult for him. And when it's difficult for somebody I'm interviewing, then it becomes difficult for me as well, if, if you can understand that. So I kind of get attached to it. And, and uh, uh, But I, I tell you what, I, what I enjoyed about the interview uh, was two days later, I got a wonderful text from David Backus. He must have reflected on it, seen it, listened to some people and some parents. And he just wanted to say, you know, thanks for putting so much thought into it. And, you know, he, he thought it was a, a, a wonderful way to cap it off. And so for that, I was proud because you can always screw those things up as well. You guys know as much as I do. Um, it's not easy to, to, to knock it out of the park in a, in a time like that. And I thought, I thought the whole organization did it very well. And, and I think David left, you know, that game feeling really good about himself and how it was handled. Well, my question doesn't have quite the gravitas to it that that one did, but I am curious your thoughts as a former goaltender on the Vesna this year, and and how do you weigh goalie success given the the makeup of these different divisions and no cross division play, oh. and who who do you think is most deserving, or who are your top three maybe? Now that is going to be difficult. Um, yeah. That it, and because of what you said, um, I'll be honest with you. Um, I, 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 I didn't spend a whole lot of time watching the Central or watching uh, the Canadian division. Um, I focused in on ours because, you know, we were playing every other night. And, you're, you know, you're, that, it, it just seemed like we were so detached from everybody else. Um, all that being said, um, I thought and I think, well, my, my feeling is, people might disagree, but the best goalie the last three years has not even been close. I think it's been Vasilevsky and Vasilevsky and Vasilevsky. I, everybody thinks that Tampa Bay is this, you know, this great team, and they are, but they give up a ton of, you know, really difficult, high danger chances. And so I put him num- I put him at the at the top of that list for me anyway. Um, I think that uh, you know well, we know that Carolina's had a great season, but you know that's seen several goalies play off of one another. Um, so, you know, that wouldn't get it for me. Um, you, you carry prices always in the picture, but really Jake Allen was the better one there. Mike Smith had a great season. Um, I'll go to another one. Cam Talbot had a great regular season. Mark Andre Fleury. Okay. So here I got to make a decision for you. Huh? I'll say Vasilevsky, Mark Andre Fleury. And Philip Grubauer. Hmm. Yeah, well, he might be in there. Yeah, he's he's a close one in there. The, the end of the season for for Mike Smith to you know to keep Edmonton alive and the way he played was pretty impressive too. So, you know, I'm I might lean that side as well. That might be my my last one. But my first two, I think I'm pretty solid in my confidence in in, in those two. I haven't put a whole lot of thought into it. Fair enough. I'm I'm with you on those. So, Panger, thanks so much for hanging out with us. One last quick question: We're so excited for the playoffs. I'm sure you are as well. Do they have you traveling out here at all? They do not. Uh, in fact, the Blues are on a plane right now. 
they had an optional skate here in St. Louis today. They want to get out there and, and deal with the altitude and get themselves prepared. So, um, so, uh, but as far as the TV and or radio for the St. Louis Blues, we did not request to travel. We're going to do it as we've done it and uh, stay with the program that's here. And, and even though it's not ideal, um, it is what, you know, the old it is what it is. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll deal with it accordingly and, uh, and stay here until they tell us we can travel again. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks again for joining us and enjoy the playoffs. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Love your coverage, fellas. Keep up the great work. <laughs> Thanks, Thank Panger. Man. There you have it. Darren Panger, big fan of the hockey show. I think he catches every episode. I mean, we've had so many great guests, including himself, including John Mitchell. So why wouldn't you? So that's why everybody should check out our replays and even our live shows. So thanks for hanging out with us. We'll be right back on the Mixed Bag State right here on the Hockey Show. And I say, hey, 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 